So when the fat derived stem cells are, you know, next to the cancer cells, either in a petri dish or on a live animal's body, in both cases, the cancer just keeps growing, getting bigger and bigger. But if you use umbilical cord derived stem cells, the cancer just starts shrinking and go away. So this is why I feel there's an obligation for me to provide people with a treatment, not only that's more effective and because the cells are more potent, but also safer. It's interesting how the details of the science, of the intelligence of the cells needs to take precedence and not just the idea of stem cells as a generality. Welcome to the Dr. Joy Kong podcast. This is where I have a chance to share with you some of the latest developments in the space of holistic health, longevity, and wellness. I have always honored intellectual curiosity and scientific rigor combined with real world practicality. My goal is that what you learn here will help you live longer and live better. Hope you enjoy the journey with me. Thank you so much, Chandani. I really look forward to, you know, really getting some good information out for people again. Thank you so much. So let's dive right into it. There's this common mix misconception, um, not only in America, but I think around the world, that stem cell therapy is actually illegal, especially here in the US. It seems like there's a lot of controversy around, is it FDA approved? Is it legal? Is it illegal? We, we've heard that there are stem cell therapy treatments happening around the world. So could you please guide us on the misconception around the legality or illegality of stem cell therapy? Yeah, absolutely. So that's one of the common myths and that just keep persisting. Um, it really came from initially stem cells were discovered um, for embryonic stem cells. So when they realized that these are stem cells, you know, there are stem cells from the embryo, of course, the very first stem cell is a fertilized egg. Um, so what happened was the researchers were letting the, the fertilized egg grow you know, in uh, a, a process to develop into a fetus, but at only day five to seven, they can obtain a cell from this, you know, this ball of cells. And then that cell can become all kinds of tissue in the body. So, so that was early as in quintessential stem cell. Um, but uh, Bush decided to ban stem cell research because of the pro-life philosophy. And they believe that, uh, you know, a, a life was destroyed. Right. So by destroying embryo. So so that was banned for doing embryonic stem cell, destroying any further embryos. People are still doing research on those embryonic stem cells. So the lines are still you know, being used, but not any new embryos being destroyed. So and then you can't give embryonic stem cells to humans um, unless you're under a clinical study. So you can't just you know, treat patients. Um, and then there are fetal sources which some countries do use, you know, famously Ukraine, um, they use fetal stem cells and, and definitely that is not legal in this country. So um, that was the initial, you know, this legality uh, concerns. A lot of people think, oh my God, you know, that these are the sources of stem cells and they're not legal. But since then, all kinds of stem cells have been discovered in the body. In our adult body, there's, we're full of stem cells. You know, of course, as we age, they get less and less, but we're still full of stem cells. And then, of course, the birth tissue, which are the placenta and umbilical cord, is, you know, filled with stem cells and much more powerful than the stem cells in our adult body. So you can extract those. So for those cells, 
it's actually very legal. It's, it's completely legal to use these sources because these are biological wastes from healthy life births, right? Usually these tissue would just be tossed in a biological waste basket, but now we know we can process them, get cells out of it. So people are willing to donate. It's still considered human tissue. So the mother has to be willing to donate. Um, so if you are able to process the cells, without altering them in any way, which means either using chemicals or enzymes or growing them into huge numbers in a incubator, then you are producing something that's true to what it was. And then if a doctor wants to give it to a person to use these cells to perform similar functions in another human being, that's considered a tissue transplant. It's not that different from blood transfusion or, you know, organ transplantation, you know, the, the liver transplant, lung transplant. So if you don't alter them, right? So you never hear about, you know, the, the liver transplant needing FDA approval or, you know, or other, you know, tendon transplant, you know, every little organ can be transplanted, right? Right, bones. And so, so you don't need the FDA approval for that. A doctor can perform these procedures because these are under the purviews of, you know, a doctor's privileges to practice medicine. Um, but if you alter them in any way, if you use those, you know, enzymes and chemicals and grow them into huge numbers, then the FDA says you are creating a drug. And those are the times where it is not legal to use unless you are under a clinical study. So these are called IND studies, investigational new drug. And it's very cumbersome process. It costs a lot of money. I don't know if you know, it costs on average $2.1 billion to get a drug onto the market. So these studies can be very lengthy, costly, and very labor intensive, which is why all these companies decided to not deal with it. They would rather just go overseas and start start using these products to treat patients. You know, that's what's happening in Panama, you know, Colombia, Mexico, you know, you know, but the Bahamas. So people are going overseas to do these things because they don't have to deal with FDA and all the regulations. Um, but from what I'm doing and what I'm teaching other doctors to do is the tissue um, that have not been altered. These are original cells that we call it native cells. So they haven't been altered in any way. So when you use those and to give it to another person to perform similar functions of what the cells were doing in the body before, then it's considered tissue transplantation. Any doctors can do it. So, so that's, that's where that myth came from. Oh, that's so interesting. It's incredible how we have misinformation that is just not explained properly. So mm -hmm. having this information from you is really enlightening. So are you suggesting by what you said that using our own cells, our own stem cells is better than using, say, birth tissue stem cells? No, not at all. Actually, that's my you know big topic of education of the public. For what we're looking at with the current tissue sources, people are getting stem cells. Let's say we get it from our own body. We either get it from bone marrow or fat. These are the two biggest sources. There are other sources too. Some people get it from menstrual blood. You can get it from dental pulp. There are all kinds of different sources. But these two are the most utilized and practiced. If you are getting cells from these sources, then you, these cells will be the same age as your current age. So whatever your age is, you know, I don't care if you're 25 or 85, your cells are not as potent as the umbilical cord cells. 
So the umbilical cord, even though it was obtained on day zero or day one of the baby's birth, um, it's younger than the baby's stem cells because these cells were trapped earlier in embryogenesis. So when the embryo is forming, these cells are getting trapped and they retain a lot of the characteristics of embryonic stem cells without the problem of causing tumors. So embryonic stem cells can self, you know, generate these, you know, disorganized growth called teratomas. But the umbilical core stem cells, even though they are very young, very powerful, they have lost that, you know, scary potential. So when you look at the potency of the cells, you know, from how much anti-inflammatory factors they secrete, how much they're able to modulate the immune system, how neuroprotective they are, how many gen generations they have left, how far and wide they can differentiate and how long their telomeres are. I mean, you can look at all these aspects, you know, or how healthy their mitochondria is. Um, everything indicates that these stem cells, early stem cells are superior. So these, you know, if people are interested, they should go look at the study, uh, look at the presentation I have on YouTube is called Are All MICs Created Equal? I break them down very, you know, methodically by presenting lots of studies, looking at these different factors. So that's a really important um, aspect to know that these cells are more potent, not only more potent, they're also uh, safer because when you use your own stem cells, unfortunately, there's a tendency that your stem cells have lost certain kind of intelligence. So your stem cells could promote everything to grow, including cancer. So if you have some kind of, you know, occult hidden cancer that people don't know about, right? That's how cancer starts. And the stem cells could be just telling everything to grow, including cancer. And they actually shown that in the study when they put umbilical core stem cells next to cancer cells versus putting fat-derived stem cells next to cancer cells. So when the fat-derived stem cells are you know, next to the cancer cells, either in a petri dish or on a live animal's body. In both cases, the cancer just keeps growing, getting bigger and bigger. But if you use umbilical cord derived stem cells, the cancer just starts shrinking and go away. So this is why I feel there's an obligation for me to provide people with a treatment, not only that's more effective and because the cells are more potent, but also safer. Very interesting. Yeah, that it's, it's interesting how the details of the science of the intelligence of the cells needs to take precedence and not just the idea of stem cells as a generality. So thank you for that information. Do you use, or have you ever used any aborted fetus stem cells? <laughs> Absolutely not. I don't know where to get it. Uh, I don't, it's, it's not legal. I personally don't know any doctors in the US that's that's using that. So that is just, um, and people still ask me on, on YouTube, you know, on, on social media, you know, are you using border fetuses? I mean, it's so ludicrous. You know, I, I don't know anybody that have even have access to it or, or trying to use it. Yeah, no, that's an absolute no. Well, thank you so much. Well, that's a relief. I didn't think so, but I just thought for our audience, it's good to just convey that very important piece of information. Uh, so moving on, this whole world and science of stem cells, this, this very acute intelligence of our body pharmacology is fascinating. And with what you've said so far, would having more stem cells be have a have a bigger efficacy for treatment? 
if you're using actually native cells that have not been altered, there is a dose response relationship. So the more you give, you could reach a higher clinical benefit up to a certain point because there are studies conducted actually showing that you know very high number cells produce actually less benefit. So it's really is like their Goldilocks zone. There's there's an amount that works the best. So you don't want too much, uh, even when they are native cells. But when you start to expand the cells, you know, growing them into huge numbers, then there are all these potential things that could happen that that I think people are not accounting for because you could um, first of all, when you start to grow the cells, the cells have a tendency to. Uh, you know, they're under stress because they're outside of the human body. They're in some kind of incubator. So it's a stressful environment for them. Yes, they can grow, but they're growing in a sense to allow them to adapt to this, th this culture medium that you just put them in. So they're, 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 the cells that are perfectly adapted to that kind of condition will survive and will divide. The cells that are not, you know, really meant to be made, you know, for, for that environment, you know, they, they don't do as well. So then you get all these group of cells who are perfectly adapted to surviving outside of the human body. So it is not your, your own human body, not only that they're adapted that way, they have changed. So the research I've shown, which is very concerning, you know, I've gone to a lot of stem cell conferences and that's what's presented that these stem cells, even though you think they're still stem cells, you know, maybe when you look at them under microscope, they look not that different, but they're no longer stem cells. They become daughter cells that have differentiated, they have gained a lot of different functions, characteristics, surface markers. So they're not, they're no longer the quintessential stem cells. And they're also expressing all these new surface markers that can mark them as foreign. And um, and then you, you end up, um, having higher potential for rejection, right? When you have expressed a, per, you know, a donor's own surface markers, because when we use stem cells, one reason they're so helpful clinically is that we, um, you know, they're able to adapt to the new person's body. And there are very little immune rejection happening, especially with mesenchymal stem cells. But when you start to multiply them, then they will just start to, express you know who they were before um instead of adapting to the human body when cells are young it's much easier for them to kind of work with the host and adapt and stay in the body but when you make them older um they they have a way of you know be stuck in their own ways you know so that's why when you use bone marrow transplant the bone marrow stem cells so these could be perfect match to the recipient even in those cases, there's no perfect match, right? There are, they're checking six main uh, HLA markers, but they're way more surface, you know, HLA markers. I mean, our body's very complex. So you still have a high, you know, a significant rate of rejection. But when you use umbilical cord blood stem cells, the umbilical cord blood composition is very similar to the bone marrow. So they're, they're, they're very similar as far as what kind of cells, you know, it's all, you know, right, you know the blood flows, you know, it, it goes into the bone marrow is kind of one system. So the umbilical cord blood composition is very similar to the bone marrow's composition. But if you use umbilical cord blood transplantation without any, any kind of HLA mark, uh, uh, matching, you don't match at all, there's way less rejection rate 
than a perfectly matched adult bone marrow transplant. So that shows you the power of young cells. So when you start to get older, when cells to start to multiply in a culture, they also get, they get older, their senescence. So they get more surface marker, you know, expressed. Um, there's just more chance for, for side effects. This is why I've heard people who go overseas and getting these, you know, high amount of um, expanded cells. They actually uh, can, you know, upon each subsequent infusion, getting higher and higher uh, degree of side effects, you know, getting this tissue rejection type of side effects, uh, fever, you know, feeling really ill, very sick. Um, so because you've altered the cells, just because you're giving people a lot of cells doesn't make it better. That's what I see clinically. I may give people, you know, one fifth amount of cells as what's given overseas. Overseas, they talk about 200, 300 million, right? I give, you know, 30 to 50 million. So I'm giving one-tenth the number of cells. I'm getting incredible results. When you start to expand the cells and change the characteristic of cells, and you think that you're still giving people the same stem cells, I think that's very misguided. Um, so, and unfortunately, a lot of research were done on these expanded cells. So the dose calculation, um, general, you know, 1 million per kilo body weight, that's based on these expanded cells. Um, so, but clinically, what I see is that you can use much lower number of cells uh, when the cells have not been altered. Interesting. So, yeah, it really does go to that age old adage of quality versus quantity, especially Absolutely. when you consider this kind of treatment. Um, thank you for that explanation. There's this also uh, common belief I've heard as well that. Um, you know, that there are no live cells in umbilical cord blood. Oh, it's a common belief because some, there are some people and group of people that, you know, there's agenda behind propagating that kind of belief, which is based on somebody's uh, study, you know, by obtaining stem cells you know, umbilical cord derived stem cells. So these are, I mean, it's really unfortunate. I, I really wish the field is not so ugly. Um, you know, it's ugly because there are some ugly people in it. Um, there's just, and there's no better way of saying this. Um, there are people who are so vested in their current agenda, right? If they're doing um, certain type of stem cells, uh, especially, you know, I, I'm just going to say it out loud, you know, a lot of the bone marrow derived stem cells, you know, they're groups that are just, very, very adamant that that will be the best stem cell source. When, if you look at my presentation uh, from the study around the world, isn't it really not my opinion? It's It's been shown that umbilical cord cells are the superior source, but, um, but I'm disrupting a whole business model, right? People are making millions and millions of dollars, you know, whole organizations set up to use bone marrow derived stem cells and doctors have invested lots of money getting the training, getting the equipment. Once you get the equipment and you get the training, then pretty much there's no more costs. There's barely any cost for the treatment. So the profit margin is very high. So who am I to come in and talk about umbilical cord stem cells, which made you know all their equipment and all the extraction process you know unnecessary, right? 
I don't need to put people through that. I don't need to get old stem cells out of, out of their body and give it back to them because, you know, you're not only creating trauma for them, but the cells you just put in the body have a tendency to be attracted to trauma and they will go right back to the disturbance you just made. And so you're recirculating old stem cells. Um, so I'm showing people the possibilities, but because certain group of people see that as a threat. So they can obtain, you know, some stem cell vials from some companies. Not all companies are equal either. There are some companies that don't have a good product. And this is why I founded my own stem cell company, Charo Biologics, because I want to make sure that people are actually get, getting what is promised. Our product had been third-party validated to have life stem cells. Um, but... But you can't, this is the crazy part. You can't talk about cells being alive because if you talk about cells being alive and that if we're using the metabolic activity of the stem cells, then somehow that makes it a drug. You know, I still, I'm not, I'm still not understanding the rationale, but that was, that, that is the, that's what the official statement is, right? So we can't talk about the stem cells, but yes, it's being validated cells are alive high viability, you know, after thawing, they're, they're alive. And, and we've even done colony forming unit assay, CFU assay, which is putting these cells on a petri dish and allow them to multiply. So, so we can see a colony forming, which means the cells are alive and well and started forming more offsprings, right? So it's a definitive test that these cells are alive. But if somebody, you know, with a different agenda decide to get some, some products, we don't know what how the product was treated, how they were thawed, were they left on the counter for hours, like what was happening. And, and then, you know, maybe some products are not good. So there are very few life cells. So then they post on their blog and it's, you know, broadcasting that there's no life cells. And some people are very vocal and that sound very convincing. So a lot of people buy into it. So that's how the myth started. And because there's a purpose to the myth, right? It's beneficial, just like, when you know overseas companies labs will be very happy to say that stem cell therapy is illegal in the US so everybody's flying out of the US to them to get treatment same thing here that the people say oh there's no life cells in these umbilical cord birth tissue products so then you know then it's horrible right why do them then go back to you know the bone marrow fat derived you know so 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 that's how that myth was started and it's almost it's it's so ludicrous you know, so when people said, I heard there's no life cells. So how do you argue with a lie? Yes. I mean, all I can say, yes, there are. <laughs> so, but there's a, well, you know, so-and-so said there's none. I said, well, but we have studies showing there are. So I don't know what else to say to you. So that's the, yeah, that's the lifestyle part. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah. So, you know, I think in every industry, we have to contend with uh, opposing agenda of differentiating, uh, you know, modus operandi of, of companies and people and scientists and doctors and professionals. And I think, you know, you said it yourself that when we want to make paradigm shifts or create new systems of thought and therapies in the world, we have to have a disruptive agenda and we have to have a disruptive mind to be able to counteract uh, these belief systems that are just blatantly untrue. Yeah, so what I don't understand is how a person live with themselves if they come upon knowledge knowing something else works better. 
but because their financial interest, they would rather give people subpar treatment. I just don't know that that's not the way I operate in the world. I would ditch everything I had before and switch gear because this works better for people. I mean, that that's the whole point. Um, so, so to not open your mind up, you know, some doctors, they don't even want to know, they don't want to hear it because they, whatever they're doing is working well, they're making lots of money and they've invested time and energy. This is it. This is what they're going to do. They don't want to hear any new information. So I saw that very clearly when I posted my video on LinkedIn some a few years back and I got attacked vehemently and I was very respectful. I was telling, you know, these people, you know, please just watch my presentation and look at the evidence. It's really not my opinion. I'm just bringing to light all the research that's been done from all around the world. But no, no, they would rather attack and attack than simply just look at the evidence. At the end of the day, truth prevails. So hopefully that gives you more wind under your sails, Dr. Joy Kong. Yeah, absolutely. And people are waking up, you know, people understand. And, and you know, I, I think the very smart uh, patients, you know, they, they, they've even seen some of the attacks, you know, even, uh, you know, on, you know, on what I do. And, and they said, well, you know, we can tell, you know, that there's ulterior motive uh, from the attacker. So, so we're, we're not buying into that. Yeah. But some people do, some people, you know, get uh, blinded by big words and, and um, you know, very confident attitudes, you know, that's okay. You know, everyone take their own path, but yeah, just, just be, be discerning. I hope people, you know, be discerning, really get educated and not just hearing one person's opinion and, and then let that rule their decisions. Well, that's why we're here. So, so how do you actually get your stem cells? Like what is the whole process around uh, getting your stem cells and then moving them into treatment? Yeah. So that's the whole birth tissue uh, processing, right? So it's a very elaborate process. Um, we only accept donors from the US. So these are all women who have gone through uh, regular prenatal screening, right? Visiting their doctor every month and checking all their infectious disease, you know, all the, you know, important markers. And so they're evaluated. These are young mothers under the age of 30 and they're all US based. We only accept um, tissue from elective C section. So we don't accept vaginal birth. Um, I think in the U.S. now it's about 50-50, you know, 50% the mothers would just elect to do um, C-section. Um, with C-section, then you preserve the sterility of the field, right, as an operation. So there's no chance for the fetus to get in touch or, you know, have contact with the vaginal canal, which is full of bacteria and, and microbes. So, so then you avoid that complication so you obtain the, the birth tissue. When we know somebody is going for elective C-section, you know, they're asked whether or not they want to save the cord for their own baby or they want to donate. And 90% of them will donate because it does cost a lot of money, a few thousand dollars to, you know, keep these um, tissue or cells in the bank, um, in, the, uh, in the tissue bank. So they will donate it. And if they're willing to donate, then they're asked to fill out a very, very long questionnaire that will ask them about everything that could affect that cord. So, so their own health history, their own travel history, um, their work history, toxic exposure, family history, 
sexual history, um, of course, the prenatal history, partner's history. So they're asked, you know, it's a very, very long questionnaire. Um, we only accept people with perfect answers. And there's really no incentive for, for people to lie um, because in the U.S. you can't get compensated in any way by donating tissue. You know, that's that will be considered selling human tissue. So they can't, you know, they can't get compensated. There's really no incentive to lie. Uh, so after they donate, oh, by the way, we also, so in my company, we only accept people who have not been vaccinated by, by COVID vaccine because we do not want to introduce that level of complication. Uh, there's a lot of controversy and um, we want to stay on the safe side. So that's another thing that's screened for. And once they are willing to donate and it's an eventful, healthy life birth, right? The baby's great. And, and so the cord is cut and there are procurement companies. So they, they procure these tissue and they will just put the, you know, the placenta and umbilical cord into a, a, a bag and put it on ice and overnight ship it to, to the lab and the lab will process right away uh, in the morning. Um, so when they process, they also check for all these pathogens. They are um, adhering to the standards laid out by American Association of Tissue Banks. Um, so the tissue transplantation is actually not under the governance of the FDA. It's, it's, it's regulated by AATB, American Association of Tissue Banks. So there are all these standards of what needs to be screened, you know, HIV, syphilis, you know, hepatitis and EBV, like a, a whole slew of um, pathogens. But we also screen more. We go above and beyond, including, you know, we screen for Lyme disease, you know, uh, prion, uh, chagas. And, and COVID. So we screen for everything. And if the tissue is positive for any of these pathogens, it's tossed. You know, it's, it's not going to be used. This is one difference between stem cells obtained from birth tissue versus obtained in a doctor's office, um, you know, with no clean room. You know, there, there's, I don't know any doctor's office that has a clean room. You know, these are ISO 5, you know, these are very specialized clean rooms, you know, with, you know, the suction of the air to, you know, to remove any potential contamination. So, um, so these are uh, processed in these clean, clean rooms, but to make sure that there's no contamination after the cells are processed and they're frozen, then they're sent out to labs for sterility testing. Um, that would take a couple of weeks because you want to make sure that nothing grows, right? They're actually going to thaw the cells and they're going to try to grow to see if there's any bacteria, any anything bad that grows and or any endotoxins, toxins secreted by bacteria, it can be detected. So the results is going to take a few weeks to come back. So only after it comes back as completely negative, right, completely clean, that's when the tissue bank can actually provide this to doctors to utilize for treatment. Wow, that's very extensive, uh, you know, preventative measures to make sure that the stem cells are completely potent and safe to use. So what is the process of receiving stem cell therapy at your clinic? When, whenever patients contact us and expressing interest, so we, we first send them a very um, detailed information, um, including, you know, some of the questions I've answered, where does this cell come from, what kind of things are screened, 
and um, you know what other things are included um, in the treatment. Um, so so it answers a lot of questions. So I want them to be able to review everything before they consult with me. So we so when we do our consultation, which often is is via you know so it's telemedicine consultation. Um, they don't have to come to my clinic. Um, so we can focus on them specifically, not on all these questions of where do you get the cells and you know why does the cell help and can but we can focus on what what it what are you trying to get help from? And what is your specific, you know, why did you have your condition? Do you, you know, will stem cells help you specifically? And what kind of dosage should we use and where should we put it? So then we can focus on that. Um, so in my clinic, um, so over the years, I've been doing stem cells, stem cell therapy for over seven years. And I've developed, um, you know, gradually adding on more and more modalities because I realized, you know, well, I've always known the human body is extremely complex. This is why I love stem cells because stem cells is stem cells are not a single chemical, right? It's, it's not a single herb, um, which is a group of chemicals. These are live cells with DNA in them is able to respond to your environment. So these are little, I call them a little, you know, intelligent pharmacies. So they go around your body and get to where they're needed to be and start to secrete all these important factors. Um, they can, you know, they, they can communicate via different ways. Um, they can also, you know, send mitochondria to your body, kind of rescue your cells. So there are various things they can do. They're holistic in that sense. They're very complex. They address many things all at once, but still the body, you know, it's, it, it, it's made up of, you know, all these incredible systems and we're affected by, you know, the amount of vitamins that we have, right. The deficiencies in the minerals, the amino acids, and, you know, maybe there's toxicity in, involved maybe there's lack of hormones. So there are all these things. So I try to be as comprehensive as I can to optimize all these other factors, because the more I optimize them, the less frequently they're going to need treatment. So then I can really not only promote the best outcome, but also make the outcome longer lasting. So I teach them better way of, of taking care of their body, right. From, from their diet to, you know, movement, you know, moving their body to detoxification and to, to proper, you know, nutritional intake. So I teach them those. So I've added elements where I can help them to enhance um, the blood perfusion. So better uh, nutrient delivery and, and better oxygen delivery for their body, um, more ingredients for their body to build like amino acids and minerals. And, and I give them supplement that can help mobilize stem cells out of the bone marrow, because when I give them these young, healthy cells, a lot of them have a tendency to go back to the bone marrow that just, you know, that's kind of home. So I can give them a supplement that mobilize them back out of the circulation. So they will keep, you know, kind of, you know, surveying and helping regenerate the body because the, the more circulating stem cells you have in the body that correlates with better outcome and better, faster re recovery. So there are all these things. And I, I do ozone therapy right before stem cell treatment because I can super oxygenate their, their body. I can activate their anti innate antioxidant system, uh, it detoxify their, their, their body. It um, makes their red blood cells more flexible and to release oxygen more easily. 
it in, improved the mitochondria function. So there's, there's, you know, and it modulate our immune system to make the immune system more balanced. So, so I combine that as well. And then I add peptides. I I'm, you know, peptide is my new passion because I realize, oh my God, these are fairly bioidentical signals that your body utilized to, to promote all kinds of, you know, regeneration and repair and, and, and just biological functions. So they decline as we age, but if we can get those specific signals out and give to people to target different things we want to, you know, help with, for example, I can give them something to help their gut health and give them something to really enhance their brain health or things for, you know, muscular skeletal repair for immune boosting for fat loss and muscle gain, uh, you know, for mitochondria health, for skin health. So there there's, so I can target. Um, and that's the, the, the fun part, right? The art of it. Um, so then when people come to me, we'll, we'll really sit down and talk about what do you need? You know, what, what are the things that you want to get better with? And then we can, you know, have this very comp comprehensive uh, program because stem cells will give you the, the foundation, this overall regeneration. It will, it will amplify everything else I'm going to do. But a lot of things are really important too. So you don't want to forget about them. So all together is going to do better. I'm less interested in which one is doing what than am I making the patient doing really well. So, so that's my goal. I'm, I'm, I really can't care less what is doing what, because sometimes one plus one is four, right? Just because one, one thing is doing something, another is doing something else. When you put them together, you could do way more than the two, you know, just, you know, side by side, they actually amplify each other. And, um, and, you know, you know, the fact that stem cells is important can be kind of manifested uh, in this case, there's a doctor, he's a very well-known doctor with Lyme disease and he's a hormone expert, peptide expert. So he's, you know, one of the, you know, major pioneers in functional and integrated medicine. And because he was trying to combat his own sickness, so he was utilizing all these modalities, but he still not was not where he wanted to be. He was overweight. His cholesterol was very high in the 300s and he had very little energy. You know, some days, you know, barely could get out of bed by 2 p.m. So he did stem cells. What's fascinating was that was transformational. Quickly, his cholesterol went back to normal and he got his energy back. He finally was able to go to the gym to work out, lost 30 pounds and, you know, incredible. Like imagine, you know, the kind of life, the difference that it's making, you know, for, for somebody. So this is a super expert in all these other modalities, which are all important. But then once the stem cell came on board and boom, you know, transformational. So, so it's really important. So everything's important but stem cells are really crucial. Fascinating. It's it's really uh, beautiful to see that the conversation around medicine is becoming integrative and that each human being, even though we have the same basic blueprint, we're all very different. And the therapeutics and the ingredients and the technology that each one of us needs at different times has to be administered in an individual way. And the fact that you're addressing your patients as individuals is really pioneering, is, is the most pioneering. And I see that's where 
medical science and humanity evolving into that kind of singular individuation as part of the whole collective. So thank you so much for this information today. I literally have so many questions I want to ask you, but we're sure to <laughs> So we're going to save it to the next time. Is there anything you want to share with us in closing for this really informative and magical segment today? Uh, no, I think we cover some good grounds, you know, cleared up some confusions. And um, yeah, and I, I just think, you know, we haven't even talked about the, the potential for anti-aging benefits, you know, of stem cells, which is really exciting. You know, I do have patients who come to me every three to six months to get an IV infusion. And you definitely have, you know, see these in animal studies. You know, of course, it's hard to test for lifespan in, in, in you know, humans. That's, you know, the researcher would be dead by the time we finish the study. But for animals, you can definitely see extending animals' lifespan by 30%. Um, pretty consistently. And then even when they give it to older animals at the human equivalent age of 75 years of age, uh, it allows the animals to live much longer. So basically triple the time that they had remaining, you know, alive. So, so it, it, it's powerful, not only tripling the time, they are looking amazing. You know, they look young, they, 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 their locomotion is fantastic. Their, their, their brain function is really good. You know, they, they do the maze really well. And um, so I just think um, if people want a better life, a healthier life, you know, definitely look at, you know, this potential and you're definitely not going to get your anti-aging benefit by using your own stem cells. I'm sorry. That just, is just not going to work. You know, you, you can temporarily treat certain conditions, you know, allowing more stem cells to be out of the bone marrow, but you're not going to be doing regular extractions of your own bones, you know, your stem cells and putting back your body. You're just going to deplete your own stem cell supply. You know, that's the truth because um, every time when you take them out of the body and you put them back in, they will do their work and most of them will die because you just woken, you have woken them out of their, 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 their you know, dormancy and then you're activating them. So they, they're, they're gonna work and then they're gonna go away. So you just, you know, depleting your own stem cell supply. So you have to use younger cells until better technology comes through. You know, that's, you know, I'm still very open to any new technology. I know we're still at the infancy. Um, so I'm constantly looking for new developments. Um, but as far as, you know, right now, the, the birth tissue derived stem cells is an, an amazing resource to help enhance people's lives and help them live longer and better. Thank you so much, Dr. Joy Kong. It's been fascinating as always. Thank you, Chanani. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for listening to this episode. Hope you enjoyed the content. And if so, please rate and follow this podcast. To reach me, you can contact Uplift Longevity Center. That is Uplift with a Y. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel, Joy Kong MD. See you next time.